Welcome to Retail Intel. I'm Ashley Casey, Director of National Accounts for Phillips Edison. Today we have a special live edition that was hosted as a live webinar for associates of Phillips Edison as a component of our Customer Service Week. At PICO, we truly believe we cannot be a best-in-class owner-operator without being able to provide an elevated customer experience to both our neighbors and each other. Our special guest today is Michael Calloway, Director of Launch Support for Chick-fil-A. Michael has had a dynamic background with Chick-fil-A, and because of their amazing customer service reputation, Michael was the perfect guest to emphasize the importance of a steward mentality both on a large and small scale. Listen as we discuss Michael's personal history with branding, his mentality on problem solving and service, and how we can all be the best versions of ourselves. Hi everyone, thank you for joining us today. I'm Ashley Casey, Director of National Accounts here at Phillips Edison. I'm based here in the Atlanta office where Chick-fil-A is also headquartered. Um, probably we're all very familiar with Chick-fil-A, but for anyone who doesn't know, it's a 75-year-old restaurant chain that now spans across 47 states. They're known not only for their original chicken sandwich, but also for the incredibly high quality service that they deliver. Today we have Michael Calloway with us. Michael is the perfect guest for us this week as we discuss the importance of customer service. He is Chick-fil-A's Corporate's Director of Launch Support. Um, he supports operators in their efforts to successfully launch their new stores, whether they are in existing or emerging markets. Michael has over a decade of experience with this wildly popular brand though. Michael? I'd love for you to introduce yourself and give us some background on your experience with Chick-fil-A. Yeah, definitely. So first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to talk a little bit about Chick-fil-A and, and service and things of that nature. So as you mentioned, I lead a team that's in launch support. And so uh, there's actually a few different teams. My team is focused on launching new restaurants, uh, specifically the West region. So California, uh, Arizona, Vegas, uh, Pacific Northwest, Hawaii, in about uh, a little bit less than a year and then the southeast and or um, puerto rico is uh, a new market for us so we're uh, 47 states hopefully 50 states at some point but also international now and so i've been doing that for about three years prior to that was a operator so I actually was a franchisee uh, up in cincinnati which is hometown for me so i was there for seven years owning and operating the restaurant so quite quite a few experiences before that that kind of led me to saying hey like chick-fil-a is is a brand that i would want to partner with and so had some experience in the marketing uh more like brand awareness brand elevation is what i like to call it area of the business so i had a small marketing firm that was trying to help brands understand their opportunity to be more inspirational or find their inspirational why to connect with consumers and came across Chick-fil-A and just recognized like this was a brand that didn't need to learn that. They just kind of lived it out um, through their corporate purpose and the way they showed up in the neighborhoods where they exist and just fell in love with it from day one. That's awesome. So Michael and I were talking earlier and really in, in my perspective and ours at Phillips Edison as a retail real estate landlord, Michael has kind of been on what we are comparing to the landlord side and the tenant or neighbor side. So now you're on franchise or launch support, which would be, we could relate as sort of the landlord side of the situation. You even said that Chick-fil-A often owns their own property. Yeah, yeah. So our process with Chick-fil-A is unique in the franchising model. So uh, we have a, a, a large like new restaurant growth real estate development team. And they go and they find 
locations, uh, sites that we think will be great sites for Chick-fil-A restaurants. And so then we'll either land lease or purchase those sites and we'll build the restaurants and then we'll identify an operator or a tenant to partner with. And so we always uh, maintain ownership of the brick and mortar and then have an operator that is actually renting or leasing that space from us. And so as we were talking, I realized there's a lot of parallel there as far as uh, here at Support Center, we are concerned with exactly how our operators or tenants feel about the partnership. And as you mentioned, I was an operator. So I, I remember having the conversations and I took over an existing restaurant. So it was built before I got there and I get there and I remember calling corporate about certain things that, hey, whether it be the site plan or uh, issues with the, the roof or uh, plumbing systems and, and hey, who, who, who can help me here? And just recognize how important that relationship or that partnership was between myself as the operator and then support center as the uh, the landlord. Yeah, and I feel like what you're saying is probably really resonating with a lot of our associates here at Phillips Edison. You probably spark a lot of ears with just the word site plans and roof repairs and plumbing. But of course, Chick-fil-A is a restaurant, which comes mm -hmm. with its own unique set of challenges. But I feel like a lot of those can really translate into myriad businesses, including retail real estate landlords. So I'm hoping our associates today can take away some great tips from you to translate into their own roles and their own lives. So I have a few questions to mm -hmm. hopefully bridge that gap. Um, as a tenant or neighbor, which is what we call our businesses that run in Phillips Edison properties, what does good customer service look like to you from your landlord? Yeah, so here, here's what I think is important to, to, to know for whoever's like in the place of like of servicing the customer. Um, I'm gonna make this assumption because it's true with Chick-fil-A. As, as the tenant or the operator, um, I want to run my business. I didn't I didn't actually lease this space to be into like the property management or property oversight business. I, I want to run a business. I want to generate revenue. I want to take care of my customers, take care of my team members, my employees. And then something happens that interrupts my ability to do so. And so the minute I pick up the phone to make a call, unfortunately, I very rarely would call um, my landlord to say, hey, just want you to know things are going great and I love it here. Love what you've done with the place. Like that's usually not what the call is. It's, hey, urgent and important. Something is interrupting my ability to do business. And so I think the first thing is just recognizing the, um, the mental and emotional state of the person that's making that phone call. Yeah, that while our role sometimes can be more strategic and we're looking long term and we actually had a plan for that day, uh, a phone call from a tenant is is a welcome interruption to that plan for the day because it's an opportunity to prove our worth. And so I think if we can just get into that frame of mind, it, it helps us, um, gives us maybe less anxiety from a customer service perspective and more of like, hey, all right, I get to be a part of the solution for this for this tenant. And it may not be a quick solution, but I'm gonna be the reason why when they think of this brand, Phillips Edison, that, hey, there's a smile as opposed to a frown. Mm -hmm. That's an opportunity to do so. I love that positive spin on what might, you know, some might consider um, an issue or a problem or uh, an interruption in their day to kind of say, well, this is an opportunity to really shine and be great and show our neighbors how, how we can positively respond to a situation. So um, I think that's fabulous advice. I'm curious how a positive interaction between 
your property management or your landlord or your franchise support system, how that positively affects or impacts your business, positively or negatively, depending on your interaction. Yeah, I think um, it it allows you. So usually I always say leadership is lonely. Right. And and so um, if you are the business owner making that call or maybe just the person in charge of that moment, it could be a lonely space. I have a problem to solve. And it goes from I having a problem to solve to like, hey, we are we are going to solve this together. And so when you when you're making that phone call or you're reaching out for support or help, what you're hoping to get is someone that is saying, hey, okay, let let us think of a plan of action. We're in this with you. Um, we'll we'll get we'll get back, or we have a solution, or I think we've seen this before. It just gives you, um, I, I think, a chance to kind of exhale. Very, very rarely are the problems life or death, right? But in that moment, um, it can it can feel so critical to what it is you're trying to accomplish. And I just think getting the right response or the right person on the other end um, hopefully relaxes you, helps you see the, the, the situation in a broader perspective and, and feel confident that there's a path forward and that it's not the end of the world. But very few things are. <laughs> right. yeah. That can really change your whole perspective of the company, I mean, I'm thinking of various different businesses, but one interaction with one person can really change how you view the entire company, whether that's for, for good or bad. Yeah, com- companies and organizations are made of people, right? And so even if people have a positive um, perspective of Chick-fil-A, if you boil it down, it's because of the interaction that they had. Um, maybe the food was great, but most times when people talk about Chick-fil-A, in addition to the food, they talk about how and experience made them feel. And buildings don't make people feel a certain way. I guess atmospheres can, right, with great decor, but usually it's an interaction with another person. And so um, when someone's calling Phillips Edison, um, in that moment, you become the brand. You're answering to the phone or returning the call. You get to leave an impression. Uh, you get to create an experience as opposed to just a transaction. And so, yeah, that's what usually keeps a person coming back or stops the person from leaving or allows like, you know, we do all the best marketing in the world. Uh, spend a lot of money on marketing, but the most powerful marketing is always word of mouth. Mm-hmm. So what we want to come out of our guest mouths are the, the way that we were able to make them feel. Um, even sometimes in situations that didn't start off as positive as we would want them to. Um, I have a story to tell you about that in, in a little bit, but kind of speaking to that point, I was digging around on the Chick-fil-A website, and one of the purposes as is noted as being a faithful steward mm-hmm. to all that is entrusted to us, to have a positive influence on all that come in contact with Chick-fil-A. And this is something that really shines through in every employee's interaction that I've ever had mm-hmm. with, with Chick-fil-A. Um, and at Pico, one of our mottos is to do the right thing. For our our neighbors is is one aspect of that. So what's one thing that we might be missing or that um, any landlord could do to really set themselves apart from other owner operators? Yeah, so um, out of of our our purpose statement, it is our corporate purpose. It it should drive and does drive the way we, um, we look at decisions both today and in the future. And we break it down just the way you did. And we talk about um, Two, two strong elements, you know, that you just emphasize stewardship, right? Being a faithful steward, what does that mean? And, and then the other part of having a positive impact. And so when we think about stewardship, it's we do see like, hey, we want to leave things, people better than we've, we've found them. And so what we try to do is look for like proactive ways 
to um, make deposits into people's emotional bank accounts because we just know the reality of our business is that there will be times when there is a withdrawal. Uh, we, we, we talked a little bit about this early, actually. Like, there's a, there's a time when the order isn't 100% right or you don't get the number of sauces that you wanted. Or even as like for operators, right, as tenants, there's a chance that, hey, construction on a building doesn't happen as, as quickly as we want or um, it's not as seamless as we want. So what buys us grace in those times is the things that when unprompted, unsolicited, the proactive gestures to have a positive impact. And so what that looks like for you all may be different for us, um, but for operators, it, it may be generosity. It, it may be um, a unsolicited letter in the mail of appreciation for what they're doing in the field. For guests, it may be a free treat that shows up on your app that you weren't expecting. Uh, so we look for ways to just, I mean, the thing that we actually strategize around like, hey, what can we do today to make sure that our people feel cared for? You know, and, and as support center, our people, our, our tenants, our owner operators, hey, what can we do to make sure our operators feel, feel cared for? And sometimes it's not the grandest gestures, it's just the intentional proactive gesture, um, the phone call just to check in, as opposed to waiting for a phone call to report something that's not right. Uh, it is a piece of mail for your attendance, piece of mail or a letter in the mail that's not a bill, but it's just an appreciation for, hey, because without tenants, we have no reason to exist. And so thank you. Like It's just those small things that we feel like um, go to, like, to your point, separating us, making us slightly different, because that is something that we want to be intentional about. And we feel like just as much as that our P&Ls matter and, you know, we, we look at, you know, we are in business and so we look at the business part of it, but we're really in the people business right. and we want to take good care of people. Something that you said earlier that really stuck with me was cared for people, care about, mm -hmm. can you repeat that again? Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, Dan, Dan Cappy, who is um, chairman and CEO and the son of the founder, he was speaking to us and uh, we were talking about our vision. You know, we have our corporate purpose, but we were saying like, what is our what is our vision as, a, as an enterprise? And it was to be the world's most caring company. And the way he stated it was cared for people, care for people. And it's very simple, but I thought very profound because a lot of times in our industry, you hear guests complain about the way an employee or a team member made them feel. And what we believe is that that's a reflection of the people who are leading that team member, because if they're being loved, only cared for, then what's going to spill out of them onto the guests is that same thing. And so uh, we think about, well, who's who's actually caring for those those restaurant managers or supervisors? Well, it's the the operator, and and so who's cared for the operator? Well, that's what that's what we get to do. And so it goes back to your previous question, like, hey, how do we separate ourselves, or what can we do to be um, the type of owner operator that endears that type of loyalty and it is like it is caring for operators because we just see that it just it's, it's a cycle or a train of care that the guests the transactional guests or the guest that's coming through the drive-through that feels cared for by a team member is because that team member was cared for and then you can just go all the way up to the top and even our staff at support center so i think about like you all here at phillips edison want to inspire you to care for for your neighbors but hopefully leadership here is thinking about how can I uniquely care for uh, my team here at Phillips Edison. Right. And um, I always say it's hard to care for people that you don't know. So we're gonna be curious about, hey, what's important to Ashley 
And how can I make sure that she feels cared for as opposed to just assuming that care means the same for everyone? You know, during COVID, what we recognized at Chick-fil-A, like the best way we could show care uh, was safety. So we thought about like, what can we do to ensure that people feel safe coming to Chick-fil-A? So outside hand washing stations, uh, you know, making sure we transported food and we sealed bags, different things that we did because we're thinking like, hey, what does care mean for our guests right now? Slightly different than what care may have meant six months ago, so. One thing I noticed as I was researching the company a little further, just to really understand the, the mission and the, the values behind Chick-fil-A, there's a big emphasis on personal touch and, um, like you said, understanding the person behind the problem or even behind the compliment, you know, as either way, it's a way to grow and understanding that there is an actual human, an actual personality behind that is crucial, right? Like to, to really comprehending and um, taking that issue and making it a growth opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so absolutely and i love i love that you that you have that emphasis and i think that's something we can all really learn from and take from and recognize that it's not really just a problem behind the phone there's you're behind that phone you know Mm -hmm. your friends are behind that phone or that call and you know that stressor and that feeling and as long as you can empathize i think that's probably the most important part right they want Mm -hmm. action and we also discussed earlier that Doing the right thing, like like is one of our mission statements, um, doesn't always mean saying yes. It can often mean saying no, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because it's the right thing on a larger level. Yeah. So I, I liked that you kind of you brought that into the conversation and how you might have to let someone down essentially, but it's the right thing. Um, for the larger picture. Yeah, yeah, we always say like, we're okay that at times a person may feel disappointed, but never disrespected or disregarded. And and so like, yeah, sometimes you get disappointing news, like, okay, that's not possible, or it's not possible when and how I wanted it to be possible. But I felt heard, I felt cared for, they understood the pain that that decision was gonna cause me, and I wasn't just dismissed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not to kill the alliteration, but yeah, like, you know, right? I wanted, I may be disappointed, but not dismissed, disregarded, or disrespected. Because part of stewardship is taking care of Phillips Edison as well as taking care of the tenants. Like there is a few different stakeholders around the table that we got to be concerned with. And the same thing with, with us at Chick fil A. We want to take really good care of our operators. It's a family owned business. We got to really be considerate of what's right for the Kathy family. There's a lot of staff that also depend upon this for their livelihood what's 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 right in the big picture and then you think about team members and so all these are people who are stakeholders around the table when we're thinking about stewardship how do we make the decision that's best for operators in light of maybe an operator challenge and uh, what precedent does that decision set and, and can we live with that and so sometimes we're forced to see a bigger picture than our neighbors are, but how do we communicate that and how do we facilitate that decision? I think leaves a person feeling uh, a certain way, and that's what we can that's what we can control. Right, absolutely, I love that. This week is what we're calling our customer service week, and so Chick Fil A is just especially appropriate for for this week, and we're grateful you could be here. I'd like to kind of hone in just a little bit on Chick Fil A specifically, just because you're so well known for your customer service and your people interactions, like you mentioned before. So a couple questions regarding that Chick-fil-A operations in this regard. How do you think customer service plays a role in Chick-fil-A's 
success overall? And you touched on this a bit already, but mm -hmm. I'd like for you to just dig deeper if you can. Yeah, so I think it is the customer, serving the customer, right? General definition of customer service is really at the heart of the brand. And what I mean by that is, is this, like when um, we were talking earlier about innovation, and we talked about like True and Kathy when he had his first restaurant, and um, it was the Dwarf Grill in Hapeville, Georgia. And a lot of his guests were coming to his diner on their lunch break and had a very short, finite amount of time to be able to get in and out. And so we think about like Chick-fil-A invented the chicken sandwich. And why did we invent the chicken sandwich? Was it because we, we thought the chicken sandwich was cooler than a bone-in chicken breast? But really it was about, hey, is there a way for me to be able to prepare a meal that is high quality, but at a faster rate of time to be able to meet the needs of the guests. And so that only, that only happens if we're listening and we're sensitive to what the guest needs are. Uh, one of the things that we measure in our restaurants is anticipating needs. And so in other words, like we want to be able to sense uh, almost intuitively, like, okay, what, what's going to be next? What's the next thing that's going like what's going on in the world? What are the trends? And how do we get ahead of that with a model of service or sensitivity that allows us to to get, you know, to be on the forefront of that? And so customer service is just really where we spend our time thinking. We also see the customer in a few different levels. So a lot of times it, even at Support Center, we're, we think of the team members as a customer. Uh, you think about what a customer does for your brand outside of make it strong and viable, but they also are communicating to the rest of the world about their experience. And so we think about like the guests coming through the drive-through, but also the team member. The team member is another customer. They're also a recipient of the brand promise. And so we think about like, hey, what, what can we do to make their lives easier, more efficient, and to show care for them? Mm -hmm. So I think you asked a question like, how, how has customer service been integral to us being one of the fastest growing brands? I think it is people feel like they are seen and considered when they come to Chick-fil-A, mm -hmm. that they're not a, a distraction from something bigger that's going on. It is all about them. Uh, we look at everything from like, hey, how long are you on our on our lot before someone actually engages with you and says hello, whether it's in the parking lot or in the dining room. Like, those are things that we're looking at because we just want to be customer centric. That's, I think, is the key to our growth. And I'd like to draw some parallels. This is mostly for myself and for the associates here at Phillips Edison, but you mentioned team members and you're mentioning operators and then the corporate. So mm -hmm. I'd like to parallel that with Phillips Edison being the corporate office, mm -hmm. our neighbors being the operators mm -hmm. and customers, our customers to our shopping centers. You know, we can, we, I think there are a lot of parallels to be drawn there. Yeah, and it right. all trickles down to the customer at the shopping center, right? Mm -hmm. Who's coming in and what their experience is with our neighbors or our tenants within our shopping centers. And just like to echo, just like what you said, if, if our neighbors feel supported, then their businesses are more likely to thrive. Therefore, the customers are more likely to return, which is good for everybody. Yeah. So thank you for that. And in that kind of same vein, with Chick-fil-A and their customer service being so crucial to your success, what do you think really sets you apart from you know other fast casual operators that mm -hmm. are also trying to deliver great customer service? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Everyone wants more guests you know, that's kind of the idea of business. Everybody wants to grow. What what makes Chick-fil-A different? I think one thing is is leadership. Our franchisee model is, is slightly different in that we want 
the person that runs our franchise to be able to be present and have an impact in their community. And the community starts from their dining room and it kind of spreads out from there. And so we feel like that type of leadership increases engagement amongst the, the team that's serving the guests. And so so I think that selection, which, you know, so everything I'm communicating, I'm trying to think about it in your models, like how does that look? And it may be slightly different where when someone comes and says, hey, we want to lease space in one of your um, one of your malls or one of your strip malls. How much strategic thought goes into like, is this the right person in this place? I think you and I kind of talked about that. It is something that has to be considered. And so I think we're just intentional about who we put where. And it's not just about how much money they bring to the table as a franchisee. Uh, we're looking at bigger, we feel like more important attributes mm -hmm. because we think that's going to affect the guest experience and then also the, the, the tenure of the relationship. And so we want a long-term uh, committed relationship or partnership with our owner operator. And so I think that part of the model sets us apart. I also think our, our corporate purpose, like this idea of like, hey, uh, stewardship, but having a positive impact on all who come into contact with Chick-fil-A. And so as the world changes around us, to me, kindness and a positive experience is something that transcends all cultures, ethnicities, uh, anything else that you can look at sometimes can, can divide us. All of us want to feel seen and cared for. And I think we are just being more intentional about having that be the experience with our brand as we grow in different places. And, and you, again, you can't really care if you're not curious about where are we, what's important here, how can we be supportive of that? Um, and so you will go into different communities and um, we'll, we'll partner with first responders and we'll feed them for free or we'll find out like what is what is the cause, what is the heartbeat of this community, how can we come alongside it? We don't want to be just takers as a new business, but we want to be contributors. And I think we do that, you know, think about Chick-fil-A as now like an international brand, but we do that restaurant by restaurant, community by community with our operators. Um, and I think that makes us somewhat unique. So it's not only the giving back initiatives and, and the personal touch and the, the kindness and um, graciousness that Chick-fil-A offers, whether that's on a company-wide level, an operator-wide level, or an employee level. I think you guys are also incredible innovators. And that's something that we discussed earlier. So what, one of your values is actually we pursue what's next. And I'm curious how Chick-fil-A keeps up with these trends and how you implement them into your business model. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's a saying in Chick-fil-A, like, hey, if there is a problem or an opportunity, we want to put leadership. We just, we are a leadership development company masked as a fast casual restaurant or fast, you know. We're really about people and developing leaders. And so when we have an opportunity, then the first thought is like, hey, who's the leader? And so I think when it comes to innovation, we've just dedicated a lot of, I would say, high caliber, high performing leaders to thinking about what could be next. And so if you ever came to visit our campus, whether it be drive-through concepts, any type of technology that, that could possibly apply to this industry now and for the next 25 years, we are, we are thinking about it, considering it, trying to pressure test it. And so what that does is we talk about like the interruption of COVID. You know, I, it's funny, I sat on a team that was called Team Member Experience and we were talking about the like, idea of like, hey, what does it mean to be a team member at Chick-fil-A in the year 2030? What should we be thinking about? How will we be able to find, retain, develop, and then help launch top tier talent 10 years from now? And some of the things that we were thinking about 
to improve the experience for team members when COVID hit, those were some of the same ideas that we had to actually um, go through incubation to like, okay, we need to accelerate this. Uh, but we were already thinking that way. Same thing with some of our service models. And so we, we've been thinking about like, hey, how can we engage with guests and get them to and through our drive-through more efficiently and effectively? And so face-to-face ordering, using that type of technology to actually meet the guests further upstream and then saying, hey, we can actually do that in the dining room as well. We were having that conversation before we had to close our dining rooms. And now we're going to say, okay, we're going to take those other two iPads that were in the dining room. Now we're going to have more iPads out front. Uh, We were already thinking about like our app and mobile ordering. And so now guests want less interaction and more efficiency around ordering. And so now we've already put the technology in place. The innovation is there because we saw the need. Now we just get to accelerate it. And so I think the short answer is just that we are dedicating a lot of time and energy to not trying to solve problems, but to proactively present solutions. And I think that's just two different mindsets. Uh, you don't have to wait to the, for the problem to present itself before you're already anticipating what the need is. Uh, we challenge our team members to think that way with our guests, and we're challenged to think that way in support of our operators, which are essentially our guests as well. You guys have an amazing I, or iPhone app. I'm sure it's on Android too, but I use it on my iPhone, and I've used it more than ever in the past year and a half. And you, you probably were, you must have been one of the first fast casual restaurants to implement the pickup uh, parking spots. Yeah. I've also used that. I'm, I've never used that until um, March or April of last year, but it's become so convenient and the customer has always craved convenience. Yeah. We're just thinking about new ways to want it. You know, yeah, new absolutely. You can want. And you really are on the forefront of that. And that's really impressive. And one of my questions was about, you know, the pandemic and you guys had to transition to a drive-through only model nationally mm-hmm. and just how you adapted so quickly. But I think you you kind of answered that for me. I mean, you, you're always on the forefront, but you guys had to throw it out there and implement it fast. Yeah. And that's really impressive. And from my experience, you've done a better job than than a lot of folks. So I know we're appreciative as customers. That's yeah. a great job. Yeah, I, you know, and I'd be remiss if I didn't give a nod to our operators. So we as support center, we have an entire, again, area dedicated to like innovation. But most cases, the most effective move forward comes from an operator in the field that has been forced to try something different. Mm-hmm. And then we're just humble enough to listen and learn. And then all of a sudden it becomes something that, you know, we're able to scale and then roll out to more operators. And so the idea of like iPads in the drive through or an additional lane or dedicated parking space for carry out and then mobile carry out, those are things that, you know, we go and visit operators and then say, wow, what are you doing? I've never seen this before. And, and they are able to have their, this, you know, this entrepreneurial spirit with great partnership and support. It's like the best of both worlds. And then we can just get further faster because of it. So uh, shout out to all the operators out there that are just thinking, how can I take better care of my guests? And from my perspective as a retail real estate landlord, I think I would encourage associates and those with boots on the ground to listen to our neighbors and our and our neighbors' customers and see what they want and what's working for them and what's not and try to implement that into our models, into our centers and make things as convenient as possible on a larger level. Yeah, I just think there's a chance that if you hear something from one tenant or neighbor, 
uh, in one market, there's a chance that it's going on somewhere else and you just haven't heard it yet. And, and sometimes like if we're just listening with attentive ears and, and, and thinking about like, okay, what's the solution to get ahead of, ahead of this? Or maybe it's a process or maybe it can't be avoided, but how can we make it easier for tenants to actually be able to, you know, get resolution here. It sometimes is not in your job description to be a problem solver, but everyone wants people around them that add value. You know, problem pointer out is like a dime a dozen, but somebody that comes with like a unique creative idea is really where you add value. And so to me, like, you know, no matter who's listening to this, um, that's my challenge to myself, challenge to my kids is like, hey, like, okay, you pointed out an opportunity or an opportunity or a problem came across your desk. What do you, what's the solution? What's the idea? And then what's the next step to make it easier the next time we come across it? So mm-hmm. there's something we can all do. I like that. Yeah, even in our in our personal lives, you mentioned mm-hmm. your kids. Um, I wanted to wrap up. Well, first I want to tell you a story. Yes. So I was in a Chick-fil-A drive-through right at the height of the pandemic here in the Atlanta market. And it was just drive-through only. And I, it was rush hour, 5.30, 6 o'clock, and I looked at the Chick-fil-A and I was like, oh my goodness, there's only maybe 20 people in this line and it's the dual drive-through and, you know, Chick-fil-A's can get crazy, but 20 people, I thought I'd hit the jackpot. So I turned in and <laughs> I get in line and all of a sudden I just hear someone blaring on their horn for a, a full minute. And it turns out I had just effectively cut probably 30 other cars without knowing. Yeah. Um, and so I felt so bad. You know, I I didn't realize it was in a strange parking lot in the ingress. I was, was right in the middle of the little gap. So I thought the line was much shorter. Um, and the guy was just so angry behind me. But the employees of that business they had two or three people come out at the same time. Two of them came up to me, or and two of them came up to the other guy, and they're just they separated. And um, so, and I was like, how can I help? Let me pay for whatever his cost was. And of course, I'd affected fifteen other people behind him. <laughs> but I was going to pay for all those people. Um, but they somehow they were like, well, I, you 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 did cut him, but it's okay, you know. Um, we're gonna we're gonna make this right. And he at first I was told he was like, no, I don't want her to pay for it. I don't want anything. But they ultimately, I guess, made everything okay because he went through the drive-through. Mm-hmm. I at first I was you know rattled, but they were just so kind to me and like it's okay, don't worry. I mean, this happens to me. Just just how kind they were and understanding to me, even though I was the one who caused the problem. Yeah. And I assumed to to this very angry man behind me rightfully so he wanted that chicken sandwich you know um but um, they they were really good problem solvers and now i've learned my lesson to make sure you look around the building because the line is likely to be much longer um during dinner hour but finally i i wanted to just ask you a really important question Mm -hmm. to wrap up this whole conversation um what is your go-to Chick-fil-A order? And maybe more importantly, what's your favorite sauce? Got you. Wow. Um, great question. First of all, great, great story. <laughs> um, love to hear about our team members being problem solvers. And chances are they were probably like 25 years old or less. And um, so the, the skills that they're learning, man, the world's going to be a better place if we can put more Chick-fil-A team members in and out um, in, in, a, in a community. So excited about that. Um, now to the important question, my, my go-to meal, it depends, right? That's always a safe answer. If like if I've had like a good week and I've been in the gym and been responsible and I want to treat myself, 
then I'm gonna get a spicy deluxe, extra pickles, add American cheese, and I'm gonna do it with ranch dipping sauce. Michael, I had the exact same. Really? I have it written right Are here. Spicy chicken deluxe with ranch. Yes. <laughs> it is. So um, but I like pepper jack. You like pepper jack? Mm -hmm. yeah. I like the extra spice. Yeah, I like a little sweet. American cheese has the sweeter flavor profile with the spice. Yeah, I mean, we have great food. I've never gotten 10 years, over 10 years, food has not gotten old to me yet. So I love our food. But if I'm feeling like I need to be a little bit more responsible, then I'll do the grilled nuggets mm -hmm. with the um, sweet and spicy sriracha. That's sauce. a good option too. Yes. I like the kale salad integration lately mm -hmm. also. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I'll sometimes still get a small fry because I like the small fry with the sweet and spicy sriracha and the grilled nugget all in one bite. So, yeah. <laughs> I love food, so it's um, Chick-fil-A has been uh, very, very kind to me. Our Cincinnati office actually had a Chick-fil-A lunch catered in today, so whoever yeah. the operator was got, um, a, I guess, a pretty big order. Yeah, yeah, shout out. I think it was Gretchen Norton over there in Blue Ash. Uh, I was talking to Caitlin. I think that's where he placed the order. I think she was eating a spicy sandwich <laughs> uh, or just had finished a spicy sandwich when I talked to her earlier, so... Yeah, the spicy sandwich is popular up in Cincinnati. My husband can't handle it because it's too spicy, but... Really? He's not ranch? Yeah, 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 keep trying. But we have plenty of options. Our, uh, our regular chicken sandwich with buffalo sauce is another way to get a little bit of spice, maybe not as much, so, yeah. Um, well, I thank you so much for being here. I, I would just like to open the floor for just a couple questions. We don't have much time left, but if any of our associates listening have any questions, Please let us know. What is your best Chick-fil-A memory? You have over 10 years of experience, right? Yeah. Best Chick-fil-A memory. Hmm. I actually will go back to before I became an operator, before I worked at Chick-fil-A. So I, um, we had talked about this, actually. I, I started, started a small marketing company here in Atlanta, and we bootstrapped the company. And so when we first came out the gate, we were working from home virtually before virtual was cool. Um, but we would sometimes meet at the Chick-fil-A uh, here on Windy Hill Road. And at the time they had like a, instead of a play area, they had like a, um, like a whiteboard and like an office space. So it was almost like having a dedicated office space. And I remember just sitting in there for hours. And uh, a lot of times the mentality would be like, you know, this person ordered a meal and they're sitting in the dining room for hours. And uh, there's a lot of reasons why that owner operator could have been irritated. But instead, I remember the dining room hosts just coming in consistently, checking on us, refreshing beverages. It was just so much kindness and care that it started to feel like our home away from homes. And uh, shortly after, we actually got some office space and kind of moved out of there. But but when I then learned about the corporate purpose of Chick-fil-A and what they stood for, it all of a sudden clicked and it made sense, the why behind the what I was experiencing. I knew what I was experiencing. I knew how it made me feel. But then I understood the why the bigger picture and that type of like leadership from the top of like, here's why we exist to have a positive impact on all we come in contact with. Even a couple guys in the dining room for three to four hours every day that order just one meal. To me, that's, that was, I started to connect the dots and said, Hey, okay, this is a brand that I wanted to partner with. Uh, so that's probably one of my fondest memories. Um, that's funny. You mentioned that right before you came into the office today, we had an associate here at Atlanta talking about how she went to a coffee shop and she only ordered her coffee, but she felt kind of rushed to get out of there yeah. after like, you know, she was there for a couple hours working and um, they, they welcomed you as yes. a Chick-fil-A. So that, that really speaks to the customer service aspect. How much time is spent on training new associates? 
Oh, yeah, great, great question. Safest answer, it depends. Uh, what I'll say is that there is a entire training, new team member, continuous training platform that we use, and it's app-based as well as can interact with your desktop. And it can, I mean, a lot of emphasis, a lot of modules, but what, what changes is every owner-operator gets to decide what their training plans look like. They typically all have training directors. Um, so, for example, when I was an owner-operator, uh, I wanted each team member to have 20 hours of dedicated training before they were put into an actual position on the ship. As the business, business becomes more complicated, there's probably different perspectives on that. Uh, but what you want, again, is for that, we just realized how important that orientation and training period was for a team member to feel cared for. In, a, in an environment that could be very overwhelming if you, you know, if, if the first day you're put into the drive through cockpit during lunch hour making milkshakes. I've made that mistake before with a new team member and it was like, okay, we won't do that again. We'll take the time and intentionality to really care for this person and a person feeling confident about what they're doing, whatever it takes to get to that point, is probably the best thing you can do for a new team member or employee. And it seems like you guys do a lot of promoting from within also yeah yeah right like um i remember when i took over my franchise um being there seven years i was able to see a 15 year old homeschool student matriculate from being that to being a shift leader to going off to college and then pursuing a career and it's like that to me is like it's just cool i think it's cool to see that and so we are able to promote from within because we develop from within and so uh you get to be intentional about seeing a person grow and develop. And I kind of mentioned this earlier, like this idea of like, we want to launch team members from restaurants into all kinds of places uh, within, you know, the world, the marketplace. Some of them will find their careers with Chick-fil-A long-term. Others will find themselves at Phillips Edison and hopefully remember their Chick-fil-A days and ask their old operator to come back and do a lot of things, <laughs> yes. right? So, um, but yeah, yes, you, uh, we want to promote and develop from within. Uh, there's a good one here. What is the best single piece of advice you could give someone looking to elevate their customer service game? Ask better questions. Like so many times we, we make the best gestures and efforts based upon assumptions when we could have just asked. And so right now, uh, one of the things in my department we're doing is uh, curating surveys to see exactly how our work is showing up uh, in the field. We think we know how to serve our our operators, our tenants, but I think the wisest thing is to, to ask very specific questions. And so the short answer is data, right? And how do you go about getting the right data is, is asking the right question the right way. And then we talk about actionable data. We want to ask questions that we know we can respond to, um, that we can do something about. Um, so I, I would say collect, collecting the right data, asking a better question. And we'll probably have time for maybe two more here. Um, how have you empowered your team members to do whatever is necessary to make a guest experience better? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So this this takes me back to when I was an operator. We just had a conversation and, you know, the idea was like, you have permission to solve problems and to show generosity. And so what that meant was, as a team member, you could decide that this mom struggling with her three kids has has earned the right to a free meal today. And I'm going to 
cup this meal or I want to give ice cream cones to this baseball team. Like these type of ideas or these gestures, these random acts of kindness is what we called it. So as the, as the operator, what I said is here is a monthly budget, right? Because I still want to be a good steward of the business. It's not just mine. It's ours. It's Chick-fil-A. So here's a budget for us to operate within. And I want to see how creative you all and generous you can be within this budget. Never, never even came close to the budget. But what it communicated to them is that, like, it was important enough for us to be proactive in considering it and to create margin for it. And so I think that type of empowerment led to some really cool stories that, again, left people feeling cared for. And when people have that type of experience, they want to talk about it. And so it made good business sense, but that wasn't the why behind it. It just was the... Uh, kind of like the outcome of the intentional, you know, input of, hey, let's be strategic about random acts of kindness to the point that we talk about it, that we promote it, that we measure it, um, and we celebrate it. I love that. Um, you kind of can speak to both sides of that, you know, and as with all these questions, but um, you can understand, you know, what the corporate side does and what you as an operator um, can, what sort of empowerment you felt in that aspect. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I have a, a question. Have you tried this autumn spice milkshake that's only available in Salt Lake City? <laughs> no, I have not. I have not. Really? There's an autumn spice milkshake? Yeah, I just read about it on the internet. We have probably 20 or 30 associates in Salt Lake City and or in Park City, actually. But it's only in Salt Lake and it's autumn spice milkshake and it just became available. This yeah. is news to me. Uh, uh, it sounds great, but... That is interesting. All right, I'm going to have to go do some research. I'm uh, curious why Atlanta didn't get preference here being home base for you all. Yeah, you know, so it's, it's funny. Um, so this, the entrepreneurial spirit, sometimes it's hard to harness. And so sometimes, like, operators may choose. I'll do my research. I may have missed something. But I remember at my restaurant, one of the challenges was, like, hey, like, um, we, wanted to, we wanted to be and feel local. And so I had two rival high schools. And this time we had like cheesecake and you had like a blueberry topping or a strawberry topping you could put on a cheesecake. And one of the schools close by, their colors were like blue and white. The other school was like red and black. And so we had these like competing desserts. Um, so you can have a strawberry Oreo milkshake or you can have a blueberry Oreo milkshake, but you can only have it at my restaurant um, for a limited time until I was told like, hey, you may not want to, you know, mess with the, the recipe. So I'm not familiar with the autumn spice milkshake. I could just be last to the party. Well, I I would hope I, I get feedback from at least one of our associates there watching um, that we could, you know, get a taste test and let us know how it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, the Chick-fil-A sauce came from operators uh, experimenting with different sauce mixtures and it became so popular that now it is the Chick-fil-A sauce. So as I mentioned earlier, our best ideas come from the field. Love it. Love it. Someone came up with autumn spice there and I'm all jealous. But that's <laughs> it. That's it, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you to everyone who joined us today for this conversation. Um, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Michael and Chick-fil-A for joining us in this discussion. And thank you for listening. To hear more discussions with exciting retailers and brands, subscribe to Retail Intel. And if you'd like to connect with me or the rest of the National Accounts team, email us at nationalaccounts at philipsedison.com.